You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. <laughs> this is our episode 101. Good morning, Susan, because it is morning for us that we're recording this right now. She thought I was going to screw that all I really up. did. I was counting on it here, here on Monday morning. I was just yeah. waiting. I know he's going to say it wrong, and he didn't do it. Doggone it. I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning. No, I hear you. It And it's just been a busy week. Yesterday was Monday all day, but, I mean, I worked till I was in here till almost 8 o'clock, yeah. so... Yeah, a lot of lot of long days. And we had some rain here in Arizona, which that never happens. It's a very very unusual circumstance that nobody. I mean, they don't know how to drive out here when it's sunny. That well, that's true. Make it overcast. It's bad, and then let it rain. And things get real crazy. Yeah, because we I had to laugh about them saying that the we went to a Christmas tree lighting for our first responders up in Fountain Hills. It was the tree was put on by. Guardian training, uh, Karen and Josh Logan, and them calling us saying that the roads were flooded. That was <laughs> when we got up there. I was like, "Yeah, the water's a few inches deep in the gutter, but we don't call yeah. that flooding no. in the south." <laughs> no, that's not flooding. <laughs> not quite. No. <laughs> and tomorrow I get to get on an airplane. Maybe I shouldn't put that out in the universe, though. Well, I haven't been on a true. plane since my last adventure. I don't think have I. No. Oh, geez. Oh Lord! At least not American Airlines. Well, there's a there's a plus to everything, right? At least it's not American Airlines, <laughs> and I will not be renting a car from Hertz, Thrifty, or what was the other one? I that they're all the same. I don't know. There was another I, one. I can't remember the other one. But yeah, don't don't rent cars from those people. I'm still telling <laughs> you that. I'll be telling you that the rest of my life. But hopefully, I'll make it to Alabama. Well, that would be a good thing since you have important business to be there for. A little bit, yeah. yeah just my. My baby boy's wedding is all it is. I don't, I mean, what's the big deal? That's right. I just hope the luggage gets there. (laughs) Because if it doesn't, I'm in big trouble. You'll be scrambling to find something to wear to the (laughs) wedding. Absolutely. I'm the mother of the groom, which is really a very unimportant position. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad I'm not the one planning it from 2,000 miles away. Yeah, no kidding. Like the bride's mother's doing. You know, we we need to give a plug before I forget. Yes. for our softball tournament that's coming up January 7th. Yes. Um, our major contributor, Santan Ford. Absolutely. So we'd like to definitely give them a shout out. They are our one they are our only platinum that is sponsor correct. and uh, we're real excited and honored and there's a you know to me there's a real significance there given that this is the Chris Ferrar annual first annual softball tournament that Santan Ford is supporting us on. Um, Chris was actually murdered in the parking lot at Santan yeah. Ford, uh, run over and killed in the line of duty. And uh, they've always been big supporters of law enforcement anyway. Yes, they have. And now to really come out and support us on this tournament, first tournament, we are excited and honored to have them on board. Yep. Glad and, to have them. Yeah. We have a few others we'll be talking about on other episodes as well coming up and the tournament is here in uh, Tempe. It'll be an all-day tournament starting 7 in the morning. Is that correct? Yep. Or with 8 in the morning? First game plays at 8, yeah. <clears throat> uh, at the Tempe Sports Complex. And so if you are in the vicinity, we'd love to have you join us. It should be interesting. It's the hose draggers versus <laughs> law enforcement. <laughs> How you like that, Jason? <laughs> so we know which one's going to win. <laughs> yeah, you know, my money's probably on the hose draggers. <laughs> of, course, of course, the cops would say that it's because y'all got so much time to work that's out. That's right. Exactly. I was about to say. Yeah, that's, uh, if we win, they'll blame it on the fact that we have time off. That's, uh... <laughs> See, Jason, Jason should be here for oh, this. Oh, no, that would be great, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, we should have brought you in. For that, yeah, so I wish he he could be our he could be our personality there. There you go. Well, he's full of personality, that's for sure. And so, for any of our listeners, uh, since we haven't announced who this our special guest is, it's Jason Patton uh, from Fire Department Coffee. 
Uh, if you've seen him on YouTube, he is crazy. Literally, I think. Yeah, cra- yeah I was going to say crazy is a great description of what I am. <laughs> but at least we say when people in this industry are crazy, you're not mentally ill. There is a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, that depends on the day. I mean, you know, what's going on. So. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of your videos on YouTube. And, you know, it's a, it's a good mix because you do some actual public service announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Lighthearted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try to. But then there's some that are just absolutely crazy. How long have you been how long have you been doing that? So I started uh, Fire Department Chronicles, which is the sister company to Fire Department Coffee, uh, probably about six and a half years ago now, seven <laughs> years ago. Uh, just messing around the fire station, having a good time, you know, just talking about how much better we are than cops, you know, just standard stuff. Uh, so, uh, uh, and then uh, pretty soon after that, I'd say about a year after that is when I got linked up with Fire Department Coffee. Luke Schneider, the CEO, we uh, started becoming friends and uh, work started working together. And now I'm the vice president and uh, part owner. And uh, it's been a crazy adventure. And still fighting fires also, or this is full oh, yeah. time? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm on shift tomorrow. I definitely, uh, I got, I got a few years left and I can retire out, but, uh, I will do the full 20 that I need to do just cause, uh, I enjoy the career so much. And where are you located? Are you allowed to tell, or is this top secret? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in South Florida, Riviera beach. So I work for, but, uh, I, I kept it secret for a really long time. And then one day we were all sitting around the station. I was like, I don't tell anyone who I work for when I'm on podcasts or, or on TV or anything. And w- literally one of the guys pulls his phone out, just types in Jason Patton. And the first thing that comes up is Riviera Beach by Rescue. I'm like, okay, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess it's not a secret. Yeah, that, that old internet, they have a way of tracking everything. Uh, Cats uh, out yeah. of that bag. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Did they, did they get upset? Uh, no. You know, my department was incredible from from the beginning. I was uh, I was extremely lucky. It was right timing, right cheap, everything. And, and from the beginning, everything's PG thirteen. It's all family friendly. Like there's no uh, no cursing. No, you know, I don't bring in race, religion, politics. Uh, none of that kind of stuff. It's just just good old clean fun. And my department, thankfully, was extremely uh, extremely welcoming about the whole thing. But you know, they, they gave me the basic rules. They said, you know, uh, you know, don't put the department in anything. So we don't want to see any symbols or anything in the videos. Right. Uh, don't do anything stupid, like right on top of a fire truck or anything like that. <laughs> Time and, they uh, take the fun out of everything. Uh, yeah, now, uh, <laughs> like, hey, if you get fired, you did this to yourself. Like, oh, All right, cool. <laughs> now, now you got to get your own fire truck so you can do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that'll come for his uh, retirement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell us about fire department coffee. How'd you get involved with Fire Department Coffee? So we, uh, it was it was sheer luck, I would say. It was a good portion of it. Uh, just happened to, so we were about to get hit by a hurricane in Florida and put a video out about how uh, another coffee company at the time was what was going to keep us from murdering each other. It was just a random <laughs> coffee that we had at the station. Uh, and uh, Fire Department Coffee reached out. Luke, he's like, hey, man, I'd love to work with you. I said, all right, let's do this. So uh, we, we, we uh, he had already forged Fire Department Coffee, but we, we grew it from, uh, at the time, we were operating out of uh, about a 500-square-foot uh, storefront little uh, area, and now we have about uh, 45,000 square feet of shipping and receiving facility wow. and um, all this nice. stuff. Yeah, and, uh, about 65 employees. Like, just, just really, really, really cool. But the biggest thing we want to do is make sure we're giving back to uh, our, our fellow first responders that are sick and injured. So we created the Fire Department Coffee Charitable Foundation, so a portion of all proceeds goes to helping that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I, I I do enjoy your coffee. I actually have donut shop here this, with me this morning. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, we went on and we decided to buy some of the coffee. We bought four different ones. Okay. Thank so you. One was the light roast, the donut shop, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. man, I can't, the bourbon infused one, and Whoa. then mm-hmm. the Irish. Whoa, wait a minute. Irish wait a minute. Back, up, back that up. Bourbon infused. <laughs> <laughs> What's the alcohol content that, boys? Uh, <laughs> How does that work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were lucky. Our, our spirit infused was something that we uh, pioneered from uh, pretty much the, the beginning of Fire Department Coffee, and we found a way to infuse the beans with uh, uh, any kind of spirit that we were looking at, whether it's Irish whiskey, bourbon, you know, different different uh, varieties of that, 
And it's once it roasts off, it roasts off all the alcohol, but it retains the flavors. Sure, that's, so that's what they tell uh, you. <laughs> well, let me that's tell right. you we something. Had, had <laughs> Wait a minute now, Jason. Hold on. I've been doing this 30 years. I, no, I don't believe a firefighter who tells me that. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. We're a coffee company first. Then, you know, we're firefighters in the coffee company part of this. So we, uh, yeah, no. I, you can add whatever you want to and I assume it's the beans, the ground, and the cups, the K cups. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Singles. Yeah, we have single. Actually, uh, we have single serve cups, which is uh, yeah, the K cups, uh, and then our ground whole bean. We do wholesale, uh, retail, whatever it is, and then we just came out with a ready to drink uh, version of all of this. So. You nice. can do your uh, the uh, I, we call it our, our Irish coffee. Uh, you could do the uh, vanilla bean bourbon, or we have a, a an espresso shellback espresso, which is uh, paying homage back to Luke Schneider. He's an AV veteran, so we paid some uh, homage back to them. Yeah. And then our nitro latte. It's all it's all nitro uh, uh, brewed, so it's really really good stuff. Nice. Yeah, coffee's good. They have a whole bunch of merchandise too. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I'm sure to try. You know, they have a pretty cool looking <laughs> coffee cup that has all these flames on it. I'm gonna try the bourbon uh-huh. infused. Yeah. yeah, and if I right. and if I get pulled over by Mesa <laughs> or Phoenix PD, I'm gonna tell them to call you. <laughs> and we'll immediately say this was lab tested. She was drinking something else. <laughs> hey, <laughs> she'll get pulled over all on her own. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> They're look. Let's just put it this way. They're usually looking for me. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, but I know where the bodies are buried, so I, uh. they just do it for fun mostly. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so now I was watching one. One of your videos uh the other day and i was kind of they were talking about cops and a comment was made that Uh-oh. the only thing cops love more than donuts Uh-oh. are themselves <laughs> <laughs> now if you're talking about motorcycle officers i would say that is a hundred percent true you, you know, you know we, we've got one right here okay. his boots you should see the office. He put his traffic bureau is in the bathroom uh, with his boots awesome. and his helmet and his gloves. And, yeah, he's proud of that office. Uh, he's very proud. So yeah, I was cracking up laughing at that. But I'm, I don't even think y'all put donuts in front of yourselves. I think y'all are mm. first. And oh, then, no, no, that's, that, and that's, what, that's no, what Jason said. Yeah. He said the only yeah. other thing. No, he said. That they love more. That they love they more they love than more. donuts. Oh, okay. Yeah. I or the donuts said, themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't even know that donuts come in a top five. Yeah, well, I, I think it's me, my boots, my motorcycle, my helmet. Writing tickets. Wait, yeah. <laughs> actually jim uh what is it the comedian jim gaffigan he he had a great little bit about donuts he's like you know why cops love donuts so much because everyone loves donuts they're delicious that's right who doesn't like donuts <laughs> yeah exactly so how, so how much ribbing goes on between your fire department and the police department where you're because now are you on the east coast side of southern florida or west coast yeah east coast yeah Okay, because yeah. I've spent some time down in Boca Raton and Deerfield Beach. Are, okay. are you right in that yeah. area? Yeah, I'm, uh, my department's about 40 minutes uh, north uh, of uh, Boca, so right there. And I actually taught at the big conference there in Daytona Beach a couple of years okay. ago that the whole East Coast fire I can't remember the yeah. name of the con- You know the one I'm talking it's about? It's Fire Rescue East. Fire That's Rescue it. East That's it. That's it, yeah. yeah. Nothing but firefighters. My gosh, oh, yeah. I was overdosing. Mm. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, I taught at that, and uh, had, we had a really good time, and met with the yeah, guys up awesome. at the college in Tallahassee oh, yeah. or wherever it is. But yeah, that's so how much how much do y'all do y'all really pick on each other down there? I think it's a healthy amount. You know, we we have a mutual respect for each other yeah. just because you know the the. Uh, the fact is, is, you know, we're not going on any scenes that aren't secure where, you know, if there's uh, guns or weapons or anything out, we're not sure we're not going in until it's been secured by a cop. So 
we, 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 we rev them enough, but you know, they've definitely woken me up uh, a few times after midnight for stuff that I consider not to be exactly an emergency, <laughs> but I think that, uh, that <laughs> just, I'm sure some of it was personal for my videos. Yeah. It's like, Oh, Hey, Jason's on shift. Let's wake him up. <laughs> oh, I see. That could be a real exciting uh, new adventure. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I know that goes both ways because I know we've called them for stuff and they show up and they're like, really? Like, this is, <laughs> she's 90. And I'm like, yeah, but she's got, she's got she's tail, dangerous. Uh, no clippers. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> she's <scares> squirrely. <laughs> uh, are y'all wearing vests down there in the fire? We I'm have fine. vests. Yeah, yeah, we have vests. We, we haven't had to don them yet. Thank God. Um, but, you know, I, just because of, you know, events that happened three or four years ago, pretty much right. every fire department got some type of vest, some type of helmet, but the general rule, because they have, they have to set up protocols for these things. Otherwise stuff goes nuts. If, if one guy is putting on a vest then everyone has to put on a vest, so it needs to be a, a mutual decision. So sure. you don't just have a, someone running around with a vest all day long for no particular reason. So, and I assume it's the same at Phoenix. I don't even know if Tempe has them. Yeah. Did they do now? Yeah. Um, they, uh, and one of our one of my friends, uh, firefighter Fenton, he works guy with the big mustache in the videos. He actually works in Phoenix. He's in Daisy Mountain, so he's, oh. uh, he's I think he's right around the corner from you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we yeah. need to get him on the show. I bet we could get some good stuff on this. Oh, I'm positive. We probably should have had him in studio while you were on. Yeah, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been good, yeah. comic relief. There, we'll do that. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll do that in uh, 23. Um, so what what drew you into to the fire service you know my, I, actually mine was pure luck uh it was happenstance i was a mechanic and an absolutely atrocious mechanic uh, mechanic i was not good at all um in fact they said when i left uh, they had like 10 vehicles come back and they had to repair them for me so i was like sorry uh but i mean you gotta you gotta know your uh, strengths but um, I uh, just happened to have a friend. He, uh, he was like, hey, man, I just finished EMT school. You should try it out. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. So I tried out EMT, fell in love with the medical side, and then was introduced to the fire side. And that was kind of like the, you know, the icing on the cake. I was like, this is, this is what I need to do. And I've, I've loved every second of it since. And how long have you been on the force now? Uh, 15 years 15 yeah and is florida home because you don't sound like you're from florida is that born and raised everyone says that i don't know why uh no i'm born and raised in florida you know what the problem is is this isn't florida this this is mini new york like every from from new york and new jersey come down here we somehow pick up their freaking accents uh yeah, so, you yeah do. I, was, I was born and raised here yeah that's exactly what's happened so yeah, we call we call this the fifth borough, so uh, the sixth <laughs> borough, whatever it is, whatever. I, I don't know. It was one extra borough. So yeah, was, one uh, of those boroughs. <laughs> yeah, it don't matter. They're all the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the question. I, I'm surprised that do you not have a background in comedian as uh, being a comedian, stand up anywhere? Were you known nope. as the class clown in school? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, that. My only background in it is uh, getting suspended from high school. That's, that's pretty much uh, the only uh, background I have. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just always the class clown. I, I actually think my my little brother. He's uh, thirty. Um, and I think he's funnier than I am, and uh, he's uh, yeah, just 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 loved messing around, loved uh, making my uh, people around me laugh, especially my fellow brothers and sisters, and just uh, all kind of fell together and, and worked out well. So it's been a blast. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's supporting our theory about fire and police are all ADD or ADHD. Oh God, yeah, all of you and adrenaline <laughs> yeah, junkies I, and caregivers. Uh -huh. Yep. Uh huh. It's an interesting yeah, I combination. The, I, have the, I have the attention span of a gerbil. Uh, <laughs> like I'm just squirrel. So. <laughs> squirrel. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and then as an instructor, I have it. So class is really interesting because Tom's got it too. And you know, we get up there and you got all these people in there. That's why we have PowerPoint just to keep us on track. Because mm -hmm. yep. boy, we can go down a rabbit oh, hole yeah. as fast as the next person. Mm -hmm. But it keeps it interesting yeah. <laughs> for sure. But again, laughter, laughter is the best medicine. And uh, it's nice to see you doing the videos. They're short. It, it's something that most people, especially first responders, can relate to. 
Um, mm -hmm. Where you get most of your material? Are you just coming up with this stuff, or do you have somebody helping you with it? No, 99.9% uh, .9 of it is me. It's just me figuring out uh, just things that I dealt with on a daily basis, real calls. Like I'm on a, I tend to go into uh, like series, I guess you'd say. And uh, most recent is things I've come across, real calls I've come across, or real things I've heard said on on scenes. And um, these are just, just actual things that I've watched people say. I've had someone call me because they, uh, uh, they called for a, said it was a car accident. Show up, and they're like, "Oh no, I just ran out of gas. Can you uh, put gas in my car?" Like, I mean, these these are actual things that I've seen. One of my one of the first calls that I ever the guy ended up being completely fine. The the patient that we had, but um, one of my first like real experiences with seeing how sometimes police officers are great for their job, but they are not good when it comes to blood and and uh, and, and impaled <laughs> objects and stuff. And uh, we pull up on scene and this uh, this guy had fallen off of a ladder and landed on like a lightning rod. Oh, and this geez. lightning rod was, yeah, he's, it's sticking out of his back. It's probably, you know, four and a half feet in the air. It's, it's huge. And he's like, <laughs> hold the, we get there. The guy's on all fours. And uh, the cop is just holding this rod, and he looks at us, and we like, we look at him, and he's like, he's like, he's he's this. He said it makes him feel better. <laughs> he's like, vomit, passed out, man. This is hysterical, uh, but <laughs> makes and, him feel and we, like, Yeah, yeah. And we got to the hospital. They did hit the, the um, doctor. Did one X-ray. Just. Pulled it out. He was totally fine. The guy was all, all good to go. Wow. But yeah, this this cop was this cop was not having it, man. He was going down. So well, one of my personal favorites is the fire extinguisher one, mm. where they said it didn't work. Yeah, because they threw yeah. it into the fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he also oh, has one that God. they're talking about a nine one one dispatch going to video calls. <laughs> <laughs> That's that was like an actual report I came across. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome!" Yeah, that's like, right. It's ten uh, percent of that would actually work because it would either be some old guy with the you know with the impose pressed against his face, you just see his skin, or someone just they got the phone turned the wrong way. Like, right. ah! like I can't see anything. So, <laughs> So how many of these videos have you done? Any I idea? think at this no, I think at this point I've probably produced somewhere around like eight hundred videos or something like that. It's crazy. Like just yeah. I mean from from you know, small little productions to large productions. And yeah, I've it's it's been a pretty um pretty obscene amount of videos uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of my life but <laughs> how, how many how many takes does it usually take for each one you know it, i've had videos where i bust them out in 30 minutes mm -hmm. it's like real fast short dialogue good to go in and out and uh like the the uh extinguisher one that one probably overall took me about 30 minutes to make uh -huh. and um i i want to say that one got like probably 18 million views across the, uh, you know, all the social media platforms. The one where the guy s slips in, uh, slips in the diarrhea and falls on his back like that I'll one. I missed that one. I haven't seen <laughs> yeah, that one that yet. Was, yeah. That's, that's a good one. And I, you know what the, so some of these things come from my like personal experiences. Uh, wow. That where, doesn't sound like, like a good one. <laughs> no, uh, no. Like this was, I've seen guys fall in, in the same thing where uh, just like, blood and vomit all over the place they slip and fall and then you're like oh that's bad and then you just go treat the patient uh but like that that was my first experience ever with food poisoning was that was uh i didn't know what food poisoning was i didn't know that it is an explosion from both sides oh and, it's fun uh, yeah it's great fun. yeah yeah i learned a lesson because i was throwing up in a toilet and you can guess what happened to the wall sure. uh, right behind me so it was it was a bad day so <laughs> yeah I did my, my girlfriend my girlfriend at the time shows up the next day mm -hmm. and she's like I was like, oh, God, I feel like this is such a bad day. She goes, I'm going to go clean up your bathroom. I was like, no, 
in that bathroom. I thought you were going to say you told her, yeah, and that's why she was your girlfriend at the time. Yeah, exactly. No, No, I was like, I don't care if I have to repaint. You're not going in that. Yeah, I did a ride along with Chandler Fire here a few years ago, and and I told him, I said, you know, I I can see a lot of stuff, but if there's smell involved, I'm out. (laughs) And you you could just see him wanting a call where Susan was going to wind up Uh, in there throwing up or something. But yeah, I knew better. No, I knew better. I I can say I've seen like really bad stuff and that kind of stuff. You're like, ah, all right, whatever. But you never forget smells. That's right. You you never forget it. Well, you'll you'll remember that forever. Well, we talk about it's the it's the strongest of your senses that will trigger psychological mm-hmm. things because smells ring bells, good and bad, oh, yeah. good and bad. Mm-hmm. People remember grandmother's cookies baking mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, did you spend any time up in New York post 9-11? Did y'all go up? I did not go up. Uh, like I, so I was still a mechanic when 9-11 happened. I, I, I actually, you know, it's funny. Like people always say like, when they're if they were alive during JFK, when JFK got shot, they they say they remember, and I, I still right. remember. That's true. It was day. more than fifteen yeah. years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I remember uh, I was going in to get a part, and they happened to have a TV up there. Everyone's watching it, and then I I left to go back and repair the car that I was working on. I had to come back in again, and from me coming in the first time to the second time, this the the second plane it hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like, I, mean, I was just a mechanic at the time. I had no like real understanding of what was happening. I just saw, you know, planes, bad stuff, fires. I didn't think anything about it. Sure. And, um, but yeah, now it, it's incredible. Like to think of that happening. Cause I actually went down to Surfside, the Miami building. Oh collapse. yeah. Yeah. And th- so I went down there on, uh, the last day of looking for, for people and, I'm telling you, like talking to those guys, I couldn't imagine that, you know, because I, I forget how tall that building was, eight stories. I'm not sure if that's right or not, but um, I couldn't imagine something, you know, oh. 20 times that size, right. 10 times that size, like just absolute insanity. Yeah, it was. Uh, I spent five weeks up there with the NYPD, worked a little bit with FDNY, and it was just when I got there, I thought this is going to be a 20 year project. I couldn't believe everything they yeah. did in a year. And uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, the smells to that are things you will rarely ever smell again. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's not stuff can't be triggered very often. Because although some of the smells probably from that Surfside mm-hmm. uh, condominium yeah. place is probably very similar. Yeah, I was like I said, I I I got there the last day. I. Uh, I didn't experience anyone being pulled out, which I was okay with. Um, you know, I, I just like, we had a 10 year old get dragged out of a, or uh, drown in a pool or at a lake uh, about uh, four days ago, five days ago. And that was like super traumatic to watch just because we're watching the family sure. watch their little kid get pulled out of it. It was just really bad. But um, the, the guys that had gone down during the initial response of Surfside, most of those guys were not okay because you got families lined up and they're just yep. waiting. Are they alive? And then at one point in time, they all know they're not alive anymore. So right. it's families just waiting around to pay respects to them being pulled out. And um, I tell you what, though, uh, the Israelites showed up and really? the, the stories that I heard from these guys, because these guys uh, in Israel, they are absolute experts when it comes to Absolutely. demolition and, or, yes. you know, building collapses, right. that kind of stuff. Just, because the atmosphere they live in, unfortunately, but the from what I understand, man, the technology that they brought there was like mind blowing. <laughs> they went there, got the blueprints of the original building, looked at pillars where pillars landed, so on and so forth, reconstructed this entire thing in a computer system, and then collapsed it in the computer system. And they would they could stand above and go, "There's three people ten feet down right there," and there were three people in 10 feet down right there wow. like they were able to figure this out it was wow. it was uh yeah it was it was in- incredible stuff that uh, unfortunately had to be used during a very tragic time but uh yeah it's just amazing to see what technology can do well and hopefully we have adapted some of that technology because uh I, you know mm-hmm. it's not like we're never going to have something happen ever again right and uh, yeah i hope we've we've learned I, in that regard i think that surfside was the the 
the highest amount of people killed in a non uh, terror terror attack building collapse. I think I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what made that such a big deal. Because yeah. the arriving guys, they say they arrive on scene. They comes in as a fire alarm. I don't know if you know this, but no. it comes in as a fire alarm. So they show up as a fire alarm. They every they're like, "What's going on?" And this is at I forget what time it was, but it was in the middle of the night. They show up, and this all the guys that are arriving on scene, they're, they're, they can't even process what they're looking at because they don't think that this is going to be a building collapse. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So the guy gets, he, he looks and he sees half this freaking building missing. Like, what is going on? And then it's one of those, like you can hear the radio transmission. He's like, uh, send everybody. Yeah. Like any one of you guys send them, let's go. So yeah, wow. it, was, it was crazy, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thing that we call those career enders. We got those are uh, things where people see it. They're like, right. you know what? I'm done. Thanks. I appreciate this. Uh, yeah. You guys have a great day. So. And yeah. did you really lose that many firefighters down there because of it? No, if, if firefighters. No, that no one was lost. Uh, I mean, leaving uh, but, the industry, getting oh, out. Oh no, no, I, not in hours. Not in uh, Riviera Beach. You know okay. what? What was incredible about that entire thing that I was like, it was mildly emotional for me was, um, you know, you got to think like this happened in Dade County, like everybody floods to this, everybody floods to it. And I mean, these are guys showing up there, you know, some of these guys are volunteering their time. They're just Mm -hmm. showing up. It's 12 hour shifts. It's not, it's not sitting around like, you know, cause you were up at nine 11. Like it's, it is nonstop 12 hours. you, You come back. Round the clock, and these some of these guys are like, you got to take a break. They're like, nah, screw it. They just you know shove a sandwich in their mouth and they get right back in and, and keep doing it. So, like, unbelievable responses from that. But yeah, I think a lot of the guys that were there for the initial response or the guys that were there for the initial like uh, body removals, like those guys needed months, months, and months of like heavy, heavy, heavy therapy because <laughs> that's stuff you sh- you should never see. Especially if it was like the families, like families together, like, like that. Right. Stuff. Well, yeah. and the frustration of being, you know, we say all of you in the first responder world, your whole job description is your problem solvers. And you're sitting here mm-hmm. looking at a problem that you can't just solve. That was the, that was the literal, one of the guys I talked to is in the USAR team. And these guys, these USAR team, they've seen some stuff like really yeah. Katrina, all this. And they said this was some of the worst that they had seen just because of like, it was so instantaneous. No one knew what was happening. Bad. Everybody dies. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But these these guys that are not on USAR teams, they show up there. They're not – they've never done this stuff. And they're literally standing on a pile of concrete. They're like, uh, like, how do we get to this? Like, how do we get down? They're not yeah. trained for this. They're, they're standard firefighters that are good at structural firefighting or, or basic collapses. But this, they're like – Dude, there's there's a, a seven foot concrete slab below me. Like I don't know how to fix this problem. So, and the crazy. world is ro- is watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, and, and why- that, dude, I tell you, yeah, no, you're right. It's hundred. And they're That's like, the worst part. why are they just standing there? Well, this isn't just stuff you reach down and pick, pick up, up with your hands. Yeah. And social media is the most amazing and worst thing in the yes. world when it comes to this, bro. Yes. Absolute worst. Yes. Uh. Well, kind of like police body cams. Yeah, they are exactly. good or they can be really, really bad for you, depending yeah. on angles and stuff. But how do you how do you really decide your material and how often do you set that you put out so many videos a month, a week? Mm-hmm. What what do you do? Yeah, I had a goal for a while when I first started doing this. I tried to put out, you know, a, at least a video every other day, which quickly becomes impossible. <laughs> That's a lot. Just, yeah. So now it's just as it comes, I put it out. You know, if I'm able to put out more material than I will, you know, I try to space it out just to make it a little bit better. Um, but I try to put out one a week. Sometimes sometimes it just it doesn't work out that way. And, and uh, the videos themselves, I just try to make sure that they are – you know, as high quality as possible, but again, not offensive. Someone's always going to get offended by something. Of I had course. a, I, when I, I put out a, a, a funny AED video uh, about <laughs> shocking people and welding yeah. them and stuff. And, uh, and it was a great, it was a great video. It educated people on how to use the automatic simulators. Like it worked out really well. And one guy commented, he's like, you can't make fun of people dying. And I'm like, first off, yes, I can. Uh, secondly, uh, like, dude, I'm teaching people exactly. how to use these things, you know? And he's like, all right, yeah, you're right, man. All right, cool. 
And then it turns out it was his brother that was complaining. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, you got videos like about the sick humor that all first responders have, which that one's mm-hmm. hilarious. Or the or the one that's uh, dropping the uh, the dark humor at like a kid's birthday party and yeah <laughs> i did see that one yeah, yeah. And is it just come to you in the night or you really try to have themes uh, I, for the month or how do you how do you do this it's by all the above i if there was if i said there was a rhyme or a reason for any of this i'd be a freaking liar like there's just i just wake up like, you're, you're right like my wife makes fun of me she's like he just wakes up in the middle of the night like oh yeah but it's it's literally I, it it's you can't i think uh it is impossible to make um reality funnier because like these are the these are things that oh, we yeah. experience and and i would love to say it's just me but it's not oh, like no. everything every, every video that i've made another first responder has experienced personally. oh yeah so that i think that's what makes it so funny for a lot of us absolutely and it is crazy that we see all that terrible stuff, but yet we look at it in a, there's comedic value there, you know? Well, it's called survival. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and the public, you know, I've always told, well, prior to body cam, I used to tell cops and firefighters, sick humor, it's, it's your best tool for coping. I said, cause we have found studies that the when you can do that, the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. And I said, but please don't do it in front of the victim's family or the (laughs) media. That's where you get in trouble. (laughs) The media especially. Yeah, the victim's families don't really appreciate it either. But but it's such a necessary thing. I was telling some uh, clients the other day, one of my first ride-alongs, a guy got decapitated and Mm -hmm. driving under a truck and... So we have a lot of young officers standing around, very new. And uh, Sergeant walks up, looks at the body, and he goes, son, it really wasn't worth losing your head over. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I repeated that to somebody who wasn't in law enforcement. And they go, that's terrible. And I said, no, it's actually a good supervisor. Because what he did was he allowed these young officers right. to kind of regroup mm-hmm. Because they're all mm. looking like who's going to be the first to throw up, and right. then it's going to be Montgomery's yeah. finest on, on the front <laughs> cover of the news throwing up. And uh, I said, but you know, hey, it worked. It That's was effective. Right. I didn't have a problem. With I, it. Yeah, and, I, and you're you're 100 right. Time and place is the biggest thing. That's that's just what it comes down to. Yeah. It's just just ensuring time and place because, um, you know, that was the one thing I had to be very careful of when i first started making videos was not taking station humor and putting it on the internet because <laughs> that, that's 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 how you get fired immediately like uh, i think so i i, I say i tell everyone i run it through a pc filter before before i uh, put anything out there but you're right i, I think dark humor is incredible it's an amazing thing it's truly what helps um us cope with these like really really tragic things and i get it that the general citizens don't understand it but you know, they've never seen a ten-year-old kid get dragged out of a out of a lake exactly. in front of their family. You sure. know, they've never seen a woman cut in half because a fifteen-year-old kid stole a car and hit yeah. her while she was just hanging out waiting across the street. You know, exactly. so uh, you know, you, you figure it out. But uh, with the with technology and and ring cameras being everywhere yeah. like you you just you just just wait till you get in the truck and make sure the freaking the radios are shut <laughs> off and right. tell your joke and move on with your life you know <laughs> so, well and i yeah. think it's an advantage fire has over pd because y'all mm. do go back to a mm. somewhat controlled environment that you can mm. uh you know decompress those diffuse mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it that i think a lot of mm. law enforcement you know the troopers are the ones I probably feel the worst for. Not really, but I, I have to yeah. say that. But, you know, they get in their cars and ride off down a lonely highway, don't ever go to briefings or anything. And right. uh, at least with yeah. PDs, there's there's briefings and gatherings at the end of shifts sometimes. But uh, I think that's that's a huge advantage that fire does have. Yeah, and, yeah and, no, I agree. And I think it is something that y'all do really well and you utilize it really well because you see the benefits of it. No, listen, uh, talking about the things that are in your head are, is extremely important. It doesn't make you a lesser of a person that, that kid, when we left, I was walking to the truck and I start crying and 
um, because I got a, I have a seven year old daughter, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine like watching that right. whole process happen. And uh, so I cried. I and then I talked to my wife, who, I, who I, she's wrapping up her bachelor's degree uh, next week in uh, in human services, so she'll be a therapist. And um, got to talk to her for a few minutes, and you know, and it was pretty much good from there. But I think that's the biggest thing is the the machoism of uh, the machismo of where men were, or right. even actually, I, I swear to God the the quote-unquote toughest like look at my balls kind of thing has been women it's women they are like every woman i've ever come across in this field is like that in some way shape or form they're like "Ah, you got this i'm like okay let's uh we can talk about feelings it's okay uh but uh yeah it's uh listen we were humans before we became first responders and that's the number one thing everyone needs to remember and crying for 10 minutes or five minutes or 12 seconds it it makes you better makes you more well-rounded lets you get back to center and then you can move on with your life versus shoving it down into some See, really Tom, bad. it's okay that you cry a lot. Tom's a crier. Yeah. Tom's our Tom, crier. Good. Yep. He, it, he's our crier. He cries, he cries right on cue. Um, <laughs> right in the middle of training. So it's very effective. And I get a chance to point out that nobody has, loses any respect for him. It's okay. Uh-huh. Well, they didn't have any respect to begin with. Well, that so. was part of the problem. Yeah, if yeah, you start at zero, you can't go past that. So. <laughs> uh, do you find that fire in Florida um, are still very hesitant to seek out help in mental health? I think, um, I think people in general are just hesitant against it. You just, it's, it's and it has nothing to do with like realistic natural thought processes because naturally when you're born if you don't understand something you ask somebody like what is this mommy and daddy mommy daddy answer the question or i don't know how to fix this how do i fix it that kind of thing that is a natural thing from birth but societal pressures when you like i I, I swear to god we're trained to, to not seek help before we even get into being a first responder that's just that's just the way it is. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, so, well, that, but, but don't uh, you think that's because your helpers and and helpers tend to think that we're supposed to just give the help, not receive the help? Yes, I think I think it's enforced further mm-hmm. when you get in. I, I think it's I think it's already there, and then it's just compounded upon after that. Yes. Um, but it, now what you're seeing is that uh, fire services. A police, uh, you know, any first responding service at all, e- medical field, hospitals, there, I think uh, these CEOs and these people are starting to realize you either invest in these people's mental health from the get go, teach mm-hmm. them from the beginning, you feel bad, you talk about it, so on and so forth, or you're going to end up with massive liability lawsuits, you know, or, you know, massive issues with guys drinking and killing themselves. And now you got to, you know, offset that kind of stuff or like people literally losing their minds on calls and, 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 you know, and and how are you going to fix that? So yeah, I I see more people doing it, but this is going to be like anything else. I mean, you're, you're steering the freaking Titanic, man. Like it does not go fast. You know, it's going to be a nice slow slow process. Yeah. Yeah, But I think it comes from, and it's one of the things that we try to do it under the shield. And like Tom shares his experiences and talks about how it impacted him. We've got a, yeah. A Phoenix retired officer who's a combat Marine who was ambushed, shot and killed the guy. And he, mm-hmm. you know, it's all fun and cool to talk about tactical things, that kind of stuff. But he actually talks about the aftermath of being broken. Mm-hmm. And the first time mm-hmm. I told him he was going to do this, he looked at me like I'd lost my mind. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to do what? I'm going to you're going to travel around the country with me and I'm going to stand in front of my peers and tell them I'm broken. Mm-hmm. Well, now mm-hmm. he has fun telling his peers that that's exactly what I told him he was going to do as he does it. <laughs> and it has had such a huge impact because I think that's the biggest problem from that side of the house is that, you know, people just want to talk about the cool stuff they do and not mm-hmm. how even the cool stuff affects them afterwards, affects their home lives, those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to take, you seen your guys standing up and going, "Hey, it's got nothing to do with weakness at all." Yeah, and more and yeah, more and of that has to happen. Yeah, well, two things. One, Brene Brown talks about uh, you know the person that's willing to be the 
um, the most open person in the room that's, you know, willing to be the most vulnerable person in the room that that's equal to courageousness. And I, and I, I yes. couldn't agree with that more. Mm-hmm. Typically, if you're willing to open up and be vulnerable, there's other people that want to be in that same situation. They're just not courageous enough to open their mouth right. in that, uh, in that situation. But I think, uh, a lot of this just truly comes down to making it a normalcy, man. Like yes. that's just, like it's just it's just normal and, and it doesn't have to be permanent i think that's the biggest problem yes it's people are like yeah. god if i cry then i'm gonna be crying every 20 minutes like i'm gonna be holding the baby and crying and the baby's always <laughs> like no what are you talking about man you're not you're not sad for life you're not happy for life it's all it's all very short you know like it's 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 short moments of emotions and then back to uh baseline i tell people don't try to wake up in the morning and be happy just wake up in the morning and be content. Sure. Because if you're content with your life, then if you become happy, then you're happy. If you be, if you're sad, then you're sad, and then you're right back to being content again. If you can become content with life, man, dude, you, you'll, you'll be a rock star. Sure. And and unfortunately, the mental health world does themselves no favors. And I'm a master's level mm-hmm. counselor, but this label of PTSD implying that it's permanent, mm-hmm. we're making victims yeah. out of a bunch of people especially yeah. first responders. And that's why we don't mm-hmm. call it a disorder. We call it an injury. It's like a broken bone. Yeah. Get it healed. Yeah. Go to the right doctor. It may bother mm-hmm. you every now and then, but it doesn't run your life. But yes. too many in mental health want it to be permanent. It It's a moneymaker. It's a prescription mm-hmm. maker. I mean, it unbelievable. And it one thing under the shield, we don't, we don't do victims. And mm-hmm. when things are a secret, it tells the, you know, if I got to keep this a secret that I cried over that or that this bothered me or whatever, it just magnifies the issue. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I told Tom and the team here in September, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I get up and talk about it in all my trainings. And I go, hey, it ain't the end of the world. Uh, and because y'all are going to make up stories anyway. You're going to hear about it anyway in the first responder <laughs> world. I've already been yeah. called a few times and going, oh, I'm so hard, sorry to hear of your passing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and you didn't even send flowers. Um, but to me, it's we got to take secrecy out of asking for help, whatever it's about. Because yeah. that's the only way we're going to get people to actually reach out. But it's also got to be safe. Meaning yeah. the mental health world has to be very up to date and trained, not just somebody mm-hmm. got their masters, but they need to spend time with the first responders. Mm-hmm. They got to get to know your sick sense of humor. Cause right. let me mm-hmm. tell you something in my first year, if I hadn't understood this population, every cop that walked in my office would have had his gun <laughs> removed. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, but that's it. Like we're not, we're not normal because we can't be normal, you right. know? And I don't think, I, I don't think most people are normal in general. Um, but we can't, we can't have the same thought process as most people because right. we need to, we need to be able to, see some really jacked up literally that kid we i watched dive rescue pull this kid out i'm looking at the family they're all now dying they're, sure. they're like they're crying hysterically and i'm watching dive rescue trying to cover this kid up with a yellow blanket you know just so he's not right you know because he had taken his clothes off to go in and um but we're like we're watching it's like oh my god i walk back to my truck i cry we we go back at the decon because we're swimming in a freaking lake that you know is like swimming with bad stuff and sure. um, all this crap. But we're back and we're literally back at station for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then we get a call. Gotta go right back out again. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's the way it is, man. So you got to be able to move on and then you know deal with the whatever thought process there are later after shift or if you got to go home, you go home, whatever it is, but we got to be able to adapt and overcome at all times. That's just what this comes down to. Sure. Well, I want to commend you for uh, one of your videos that, that you put out on the suicide is not the answer. That, yes. I mean, that Thank was you. a great video. Um, and it shows your vulnerability, which like you said before, being that vulnerable person in the room opens it up to everybody else to say, you know what? I'm there. It's okay. It can be okay. I can, I can come yeah. get through this. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. It was, it was very well done. Yeah. Good more more people need to do that and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the uh, officer we were telling you about earlier that our uh, softball tournament is named after, uh, that's how I first got involved with him. He was suicidal and he got mm-hmm. demoted 
all this stuff, but it, he used it and he, and he, you know, one of the things I told him when he went back to work, you tell your story, don't let others. Mm-hmm. And he would tell his story and share his story. He'd wake me up at two in the morning to tell me about the 21 year old that he went on the call. The guy was suicidal and he sat on the side of his bed, shared his story and was able to help him. Mm, not the, not the guy he chased, you know, six <laughs> blocks, tackled him, whatever, got his head <laughs> cut open and winds up in the ER. But, um, but he, those were the stories that meant the most to him. And yeah. that uh, it's important that we talk about it. We also have to be very cautious though, too, in, in recommending or at least being open and honest about, I know there's a lot of promoting right now of that. The three digit number is at nine, uh, 988. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my question on that one is, um, do they do welfare checks through that one? Like they do the other national suicide mm-hmm. hotlines because it's misleading if we're not telling, especially cops and firefighters that because mm-hmm. we've had police officers call us at under the shield on our crisis line and it takes forever to convince them that we don't have their address. We don't even know where they are in the country. Don't even yeah. have a phone number. Right. Don't have a phone number. We're not sending anybody because all it takes is once of their own department mm-hmm. or friends showing up at their door because they're on with what they think is a trusted line. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And that yeah. starts shutting that system down pretty quickly. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah, we've got to we got to do more of that because again, it's not about mental illness. It, mm-hmm. it is about good people. We call it the full psychological garbage can, and yeah. we got to teach people how to empty it. And it's interesting because we had a female firefighter on from Florida who started. She was one of the first females, wasn't she? In uh, fire one early, of, one of the first ones started early eighties. Mm. Yeah, she, yeah, she in was, South Florida somewhere. Yeah, I'm trying to think, was it? I can't remember. I don't remember but her name is Cindy, and she wrote a book called uh, "Sister of the Brotherhood." Yeah, and she, Very cool. yeah, and she talked about how she would just kind of write after all of her calls that she'd come back that were tough calls that she'd sit and write, and that's one of the things we recommend is people writing letters, not just mm-hmm. her, hers. I think was a little bit more of like journaling the event, right? But I think it was very effective for. And it's a great way to keep the garbage out of the garbage can rather than let it. it build and build and build. And uh, so, you know, to see it that early in the fire service that someone just did it on their own right. was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And she seems to be pretty squared away <laughs> yeah. here after retirement. Yeah. Um, doesn't seem to have a lot of issues stemming from early calls in that many years. And I, I think it can be a very effective tool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Can I agree more? So Love what it. what do y'all do down there? Do you do debriefings? Do you do SISM at your how, how large is your fire department? How many firefighters? Uh, about seventy five eighty total. Uh, we do we do SISMs typically, and it, it depends on the situation. But I always tell the captains or battalion chiefs, whoever's in charge, any officers in charge, if you're thinking, call it, get, get the team there. But yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have people show up. They go through whatever the call was itself, and then hopefully everyone is able to process everything appropriately, or at least get them started, and then move on to peer support programs or uh, individual therapy, whatever they need. Is it all in-house, though, or is it a multi-agency approach? Uh, this is this is actually put on by a department that is uh, Palm Beach County Fire Rescue is the one that does it for us. They're a, a larger department, yeah. so they have a, a good system team, yeah. So they come in and handle that. Do y'all do the same and reciprocate and go to them to help them on stuff? No, we don't have anything yet. We've had some guys take the peer support classes and stuff, but we haven't set up anything yet. Interesting. Yeah. It's uh, out here. They try to do too much of it in-house. I I don't think it's effective. You were part of it. It, mm-hmm. Good concept on paper, but people aren't going to tend to talk to people they got to work with, yeah. or they might be their supervisor next yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought yeah. Florida was a little more advanced um, mm-hmm. in most parts, especially South Florida. And yeah, they they try to make sure it's outside of your direct your direct department if possible. So 
Well, tell our tell our listeners how how do they find you and find all these crazy videos you have? Because mine pop up on Facebook, and I don't know if those are reels or TikToks or, yeah. or both. Do, yeah. I mean, are you uh, on so, all of it? Yeah, so you can find me Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all the fun stuff. Fire Department Chronicles, uh, and then Fire Department Coffee, same uh, same channels and stuff. So I check it out and. Then, uh, send us any video ideas you'd like us to do and maybe we can make them happen. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to have him with, uh, we, one of our, uh, well, she's actually director of operations. She's a dispatcher, um, mm. for police department here for a while. And she has started a podcast called dispatch diaries. Nice. Talking, I want to say that I, I think yeah, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. Talking about all the funny calls and things uh, that they get and, you know, I have to lie. I, I wasn't cut out to be a cop. I sure as heck wasn't cut out to be a firefighter. I'm not running in buildings where roaches are running out. No. But, boy, I couldn't be a dispatcher. People would call with some of that stupid stuff. And then y'all have to respond to it seriously. Um, but, yeah, we, we might have to get Becky to get you on Dispatch Diaries. Y'all can share some stories. <laughs> I want to ask you, where in Alabama are you going? I'll be in Tuscaloosa. My son lives just okay. outside Tuscaloosa. Why? You got a connection? Uh, no. Well, my wife's family lives in Gunnersville. Yeah. Uh, I know it yeah. well. And then, uh, and then uh, they, we got married in Mentone. Yes. So. Beautiful yeah. place. And Gunnersville mm-hmm. Lake is gorgeous. It's up mm-hmm. in the Huntsville yep. region. It's yeah. uh, really mm-hmm. p- pretty part of the state. But yeah, my oh, yeah. son went to Alabama and stayed there. So Nice. Yep. So I'm, That's awesome. I'm excited about getting back. Sorry, they're not going to be in the national championship for the playoffs, but hey, you know, it's like, <laughs> like I told a friend from Georgia the other day, you got three. Call me when you get yeah. 16 more. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to being back there for a few days. But yeah, we need to we need to get uh, Jason up here. You know, maybe next year's softball tournament we can bring in as the entertainment between games. That sounds good. Because I think that he's probably great. got some stuff he could do and really oh, yeah. rev up the competition between the police and fire. <laughs> That's awesome. This could be fun. Yeah. So y'all look, great, guys. look for him out there. And again, it's listed, though, as Fire Department Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, and Fire Department Coffee. He's or you can just Google fine. Jason Patton and you'll find him. There you go. <laughs> and, the de- and the department that he works for. <laughs> it's well worth your time to. Um, something tells me I'm probably going to be watching a lot of your stuff on the airplane because <laughs> there's not a whole Amazing. lot to, to watch. So I'll get caught up on those. And uh, awesome. yeah, we just appreciate you being on here. And as Thank we you. wrap this up with our audience, we want to. Make sure that our first responders, military and family all understand that you know you can reach out to us here at Under the Shield. We're here 24-7. Uh, you will get someone if you call our crisis line 855-889-2348. Uh, please do not get discouraged if it rings more than four times. Um, if one stress coach is on the phone, it will roll to another one. Please don't hang up. We don't have your number. Uh, the number that you call is actually the number that shows up on our phones. And so may have to be a little patient. Sometimes it gets a little busier than other times. But please hold on the line. Let it ring. You're, you're not going to get voicemail. You'll get somebody. Or you can actually call 855-889-2348. And you can hit extension one is crisis. Right. Two is for me. Uh, three is David Cohen. He's our token hose dragger uh, over in Alabama. <laughs> he was actually a fire marshal. Uh, and four is Tom. Yep. Or you can reach me on my cell number, and that's 334-324-3570. Uh, during the daytime, it's better to text me because I check my text when I'm in session or teaching or on the podcast. Uh, Tom, your number? And my phone number is 480 480- Eight six one six five seven four, and just know there's no records, no notes. Uh, you don't have to give us your name. You don't even have to tell us where you work. We probably are going to ask: Are you fire, PD, dispatch, whatever? So we can get you with the coach that is trained in the specific fields because we think that's very important. Uh, spouses, 
family members, you're included. We have someone here who deals with teenagers, and uh, she's amazing. She can Zoom with, with the kids. Uh, or if you're here in Arizona in the Valley, she'll meet your kids out at coffee shops. They seem to really love doing that uh, with her. But just know we are never going to divulge any information because we don't have it. And I'm too old to remember it. And Tom over here, he's got mad cow disease, I think he said, or something that affects his memory. Uh, so it's it's never a threat for you to reach out. And there's nothing we don't deal with. It, it's It's a lifestyle. We've helped with marriages. We've helped with helping people find financial resources, legal resources, pretty much. You name it. Yeah, we deal a lot with suicidal first responders, and they don't lose their jobs. We get them help. And so make sure you reach out to us uh, because we will be here for you even on holidays, and I'll pretty much work seven days a week. So uh, God bless you. God bless your families, and God bless this great nation that we live in. Thank you for the sacrifices each of you make. And again, Jason, thank you for what you're doing, because I think you're bringing um, a point of levity to people that probably you're hitting them right at the time that they need it the most. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Well, and lucky to be able to do it. It's very important and keep it up. So take care, stay safe out there, and uh, we'll see you for our 102nd episode. No idea who it is. It's a mystery for us every That'll time. Be your friend. Oh well. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A retired captain, Keith Aremia from the Arkansas State Police, will be with us. And I've known Keith twenty years. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so join us next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. We love you guys, and see you next time. <laughs>